Welcome to Who Knew. We are fans of the current series of Doctor Who, and here we discuss our likes, dislikes, and insights into the modern regeneration of the show. Today's episode is episode one of season three, Smith and Jones. It's a Jadoon platoon on the moon, and an all-new companion. This episode is written by Russell T. Davis, directed by Charles Palmer. It originally aired on the 31st of March, 2007, and it was seen by 8.7 million viewers. Hi, this is Eugene. Let's introduce ourselves. Hello, this is Frank. Hi, this is Kelsey. Hello, this is Auburn. This is Josh. This is Arlene. Hi, this is Brian. Martha Jones is walking down a London street when the doctor walks up to her, removes his tie, and says, Like so. See? He then walks off, leaving a bewildered Martha to continue walking to Royal Hope Hospital, where she is studying to be a doctor. Her instructor, Mr. Stoker, is taking the students on their rounds. Their first patient is Miss Florence Finnegan, who hasn't been eating properly and has a salt deficiency. The second patient they visit is Mr. John Smith, who we recognize as the doctor. Martha is instructed to examine him and tells him that it was not a good idea to run around outside, but the doctor doesn't know what she's talking about. He has been in bed since yesterday. Martha notices that he has two heartbeats and the doctor winks at her. Mr. Stoker picks up the patient's chart and receives an electric shock. Many students, including Martha, state that they have been shocked a lot this morning. Interesting how there's no cold opening. You go straight into the credits. And Russell did that on purpose to start us fresh. Really? Mm -hmm. He said, I decided to do no cold open. Is is it mentioned why he went to the hospital to begin with? Like, was... He picked up some strange readings. He did. And he, and he, he takes it like, I, was, I wasn't trying to get involved in anything. I was just curious. And then all this happens. So. And then, uh, I mean, we're going to get to it in a minute, so it's not a spoiler, but I recognize the actress who's playing the old woman, and then I'm like, what do I know her from? And as the episode went, I'm like, oh, I know her from this episode. <laughs> <laughs> and what episode was the Impossible Planet theme for <laughs> The Impossible Planet, this oh. episode. Just kidding. <laughs> I like how we kind of, not only is there no cold opening, but we kind of jump right into Martha. You know, she's walking along the street mm. all by herself, but we're instantly thrown into the middle of her family chaos and it really appears that martha's role in her family is to be the glue yeah is to be the one that everybody talks to to solve the problems it's a really great start with exposition it shows you uh because uh, i made a note about just the sign of the times with the call waiting the cell phone. cell phones are now part of everyday life mm-hmm. whereas it seemed like not a, not a gimmick or or a luxury now it's just the way people communicate and just what you said, the way Martha is with her family, and, and then also the vibe of this new season. Yeah, on our last podcast episode, I compared the episode Rose to the episode The One Runaway Bride. Like, um, So Rose's first episode versus this first episode, which is Martha's first episode. And they both start off very similar. We're following Rose throughout her day as she goes to work, as she has lunch with her boyfriend. And here we're following Martha on her way to work as she's talking to her family. This it's not, but this feels almost like that. When we started with Rose, we got a quick little montage of mm-hmm. Rose's typical day. This isn't a montage, but it's mm-hmm. almost like a, a, a compressed... A microcosm. Mm-hmm. Of yeah, it's life. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a verbal montage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's funny that you mentioned the parallels because the working title for this episode was entitled Martha. It's mm-hmm. paralleling mm-hmm. Rose for Rose. Russell gets a lot of criticism for repeating and for kind of doing the same thing over and over again. But... With very few exceptions, I kind of view it as a strength because he's taking the same ideas, maybe the same themes, 
but he's approaching it from different angles and mm-hmm. different characters. So it never really too much bothers me. I, but, I see it more as like motifs, like certain directors have yeah. certain tricks they have in their bags. And yeah. this is, he's a writer, he's not a director. So and, this is what his, he's using. I don't see it as a criticism like he's running out of ideas. I, don't I think he has so many ideas in his head mm-hmm. that sometimes he's putting them down in kind of a familiar uh, pattern mm-hmm. to best tell that story. And That's think, how I see it. And economically tell it. Yeah. I think, too, in the days of binge-watching, you see it more. Yes, true. You're, you're fresh off something, whereas in the past, it was so much longer in between things, you don't really notice it. There were a few things between this episode and the Christmas special, even, that I felt, like, weren't exactly the same, but they were definitely very similar like the whole uh, the family opening and then having this kind of other woman that each of our main character woman, like it was Norris in the Christmas special. And in this, it's Annalise. Like they're not exactly the same, but there are similarities that keep happening during this episode. And they're both sort of this blonde. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're also introduced to Martha's theme, which is used a lot. And it's an interesting choice. It's a coincidence that it's named that. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> but it's because it's, it's such a slow, haunting theme. I like it, but I do always wonder why they picked that for Martha, you know? Um, and I think, I've, you know, for me, it's like, does it also kind of have a feeling of longing to reach your goal kind of a thing? Uh, just throwing that out there. I had it more cerebral. I mean, she's very observant. She noticed the mm. uh, motorcycle delivery people around, you know, because right. it will bumped into her but then later on she sees the other one and just keeps watching them because something's odd going on mm-hmm. she's so very I think she's observant and she's logic and deduces things so i think it's so a little bit more of that she's a very mature companion compared to everyone else but also even though she still is you know i am a student Rose or compared to everyone else i'm gonna kind of Thinking ahead a little bit too, you know she's definitely kind Rose of the, on her even, own two feet more. Like Rose grew into her maturity. Martha doesn't seem to be no. wanting to escape her life, even though we see her family, and I want to escape her family. <laughs> she seems to be okay with it. This is a family problem, and we'll get through it, and that's fine. And you know, I'm going to be a doctor. She has a plan. She has a goal. She's a little more rooted in her life, so she doesn't seem to be wanting to get away from anything. Mm-hmm. So that's very different from Rose. Also, the music might be an indicator. Of, well, I'll just hint at it, like what her arc is with the doctor a little bit. Could oh, be. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was very odd to see the doctor out of time because she's dealing with him and he comes up to her, right. not knowing who she is, what's going on, takes his tie off. Look, see, this is it. And then she goes on rounds and he has no idea what she's talking about. That's right. Yeah. So it's kind of, what is the doctor playing with her or is this something coming up? What it's, it really yeah. gives you a kind right, of, right. I don't understand what's happening. And I like how they didn't clue us into like, like him winking at the camera, even, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, he knows what she's talking about. He's in my mind, he's probably thinking, oh, that sounds like something I would probably do tomorrow <laughs> that happened today. Oh, I think the look was. That's odd. Yeah, because they didn't want to tip us off. And here we also get the second appearance of Howard's PJs. Seriously? Oh, that's they just right. the pajamas? Mm-hmm. They said that in the commentary. That's funny. Oh, wow. That's and funny. Ha- and then tell us who Howard is for the listeners who can't From remember. the Christmas invasion, he's the... Does it still have fruit inside? <laughs> he mentions a banana later. <laughs> it's not a uh, banana. Jackie's neighbor or Jackie's boyfriend? Jackie's boyfriend. Yeah, I guess boyfriend. at the time of the Christmas invasion episode, right. they had uh, pajamas. When Eccleston regenerated into ten. They needed uh, pajamas for Tennant while he recuperated. They haven't done it very often in the modern show. I think they kind of did this more in the classic show, but I like the doctor's reference to Ben Franklin and how he was with Ben Franklin. My mate? Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, he was there with the day that they flew the flu. The kite. The kite. 
Well, I'm sure it was Ropers. the doctor's idea or something. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I like that they just kind of throw those fun little history things in. They had to um, prevent the Flanubians from yeah. <laughs> um, I'm kind of going to channel Eugene for a moment, but I noticed in the production design of this episode, this hospital is very blue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they make hospitals blue, actually. Yes, I know that they make hospitals, but if you were a production designer... It's like, what was the, I want to know what the reason behind the blue was, because it's everything. I mean, it's, it's not just, it's the carpet, the carpet, the curtain dividers, the plastic clips on the patient's charts are blue. The robes, there are signs in blue. The walls are painted blue. Even the bulletin board, the bulletin board is a dark blue with white papers pinned to it. There's blue everywhere. Maybe it was to, uh, in contrast with the, uh, the aliens that show up. Possibly. But, I mean, this is one of those things. I don't notice things like that, and I noticed it in this episode, and I blame Eugene. <laughs> All right, I was the production designer. Sorry. <laughs> um, it was also during this conversation, I was kind of thrown away, but Martha asked if he had a brother, mm-hmm. and he says, not anymore. Right, right. Yeah. I don't know, uh, for the classic... This no? is the first mention of first him mention having a brother. Ever? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, the classic show never mentioned his family beyond uh, Susan. Yeah, yeah. Susan was his granddaughter, and but he never talked about his family. Hmm. Every now and then they'll pepper that in, mm-hmm. though, even from from here on. Yep, things like that, and then you just, what? he said it before in the, the empty right. child. He, he'll even mm-hmm. say it again. I was a father. I was a yeah. father, but I'm not anymore. You know, I think they they're really trying to build a continuity mm-hmm. in the modern show because that's what modern audiences expect. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the classic show, it was like fly by the seat of your pants. Yeah, you know, there were there was no binge watching, there was no videotapes. Right. Yeah. So it was just kind of if you caught a repeat, great. What the heck's a rerun? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now we could watch Doctor Who while we eat. <laughs> <laughs> He's got two TVs. Nobody has two TVs. <laughs> Get used to those bars, kid. <laughs> it begins to rain, but Martha's sister, Tish, tells her on the phone that it is only over the hospital. Then the rain begins to fall up, and suddenly, in a flash of bright light, the hospital is transported to the moon. People in the hospital begin to panic, and Martha tells the patients to return to their beds. She is amazed that they are on the moon and is about to open a window when her friend shouts not to because it will let the air out. Martha tells her that the windows aren't airtight, so if the air was going to leave the room, it would have blown out the windows already. The doctor is impressed by Martha's deduction, and together they go outside onto a patio to look at the moon's surface. Martha finds it beautiful, even though she is scared. She knows it is extraterrestrial because of the evidence of the last two years. The doctor throws a stone, which hits a force field that's keeping the air around the hospital. They realize that they need to find out what is going on before the air runs out. Suddenly, flying over the hospital, a trio of alien spacecraft land and an army of Jadoon warriors, a rhinoceros-looking race, march into the hospital. I like that this is our first appearance of the blue suit and the red sneakers. I don't know if anybody else... I noticed. This is my favorite uh, costume of the doctors, so I just want to point that out. Season three is where it happens. <laughs> and I'm surprised it's season three. Right? Yeah. yeah. It just seems so late, but no, it's it's season, season three. three. Mm-hmm. I love the red shoes. What you were saying about Martha earlier, though, Frank, she's the first one very quickly to realize they're on the moon. Not that it's a big stretch visually, but if you're someone who's not used to space travel and things like that, just, just some doctor and all of a sudden something like that happens and she's immediately like, we're on the moon, that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. Well, it's because everybody else in the hospital is again giving a lesson in non-subtle acting right <laughs> the freaking out is really over the top really yeah it's, there were some interesting choices made by those extras they wanted they, to be featured and boy they yeah <laughs> they look like the silhouettes of the clown in dumbo 
<laughs> the clowns talking nice to themselves in the, in the tent. In their defense, um, most times on sets, extras aren't given the whole picture. Like they're just told, sure. be scared, act like you're in, you're in fear of your life. But yeah, the one know, guy you... is turning, clutching at the arm of the guy next to him with this... <gasps> look on his face. I mean, it's a little, it's a little over the top. And, and you're right. I'm, I'm not necessarily blaming them. It, the, it was either their direction or the lack of direction that they were given. It was also the producer's and the editor's choice to leave the shot in. Yeah. But still. I think this episode is definitely geared towards a younger audience in the way that yeah. the menacing messengers are there with their the helmets pulled so that you know they're bad. The whole writing and feel of it seems for a younger audience. So I think they would like it a lot better than the adults. And and Martha, I thought it was really interesting. Yes, yeah, she has this wonder of being on the moon and all this. But when she asks the doctor questions, mm-hmm. it's not in awe. It's not in wonder. It's in, I need information. It's like, how is this possible? She actually wants the information rather than other ones would be, wow, how is this even possible? And he's and picking not really up on it. for an answer, but doing it more rhetorically. And she goes, no, give me an answer. Going back to the cerebral. And when I ask you a question, it is a real question. I need to know the answer to this. And he's picking up on that very quickly. Like, he, he, he's watching her assessment of everything. Oh, Martha is impressing the doctor right from the start. He likes her a lot. I did like, um, there's that one comment of uh, Martha when um, she's on the phone while the rain is, is going. And, I, you know, I, as someone from Southern California, I look out and see greenery at Christmas time and don't even think that's weird. This one where she's where she says on the phone, why is everyone fussing about the rain? And I want to say to her, you're not from Southern California, are you? <laughs> when it rains, everyone goes crazy. It might as well be raining up. Exactly. <laughs> we probably wouldn't notice the difference. <laughs> I also got a kick out of when everything started to happen at the, the classic camera shake With uh, of ships? the hospital. Yeah. No, no. Of the, when oh, they're the in the hospital, hospital okay. like, you know, everyone moves around. All the Star Trek. Grips are throwing props. Yeah, the Enterprise Hospital. All right, everybody act. uh, This is a seven on the scale of one to ten of shake. (laughs) Go to the left. Go to the right. The Jadoon, is that that's a practical mask, right? Yes. It's a real I thought that was really well yeah, detailed and yeah. done well. I have my picadillos of like it being a rhinoceros. If you go into the how right. would they have evolved like this, I'm gonna hurt you. No, I, I, <laughs> they're cute. I know, it's fine. <laughs> oh man. I also like that Martha won't call him the doctor. You have to earn it. Right. Yes. Right, yeah. <laughs> Because she's struggling to yeah. get there and get that yeah. doctorate. She's also the first character to use mild profanity. We're on the bloody moon. Mm. Bloody is a big deal. Not so much anymore, but back then. Yeah, I also really like that moment on the balcony when where Martha and taking in that we're on the moon. And she mentions it's really beautiful. We could die at any moment. But still, you know, she's appreciating the, the beauty of it. And it um, reminded me of in the... Uh, the last episode, The Runaway Bride, when the doctor says to Donna about traveling with him because she's like, you know, doesn't want to travel with him because it's dangerous. And he says, but it can be beautiful, though. And then she counters with and terrible. So here's here's someone who is basically saying the same thing, but instead of running away from the terrifying aspect of it is embracing it because it's still beautiful and so like yeah the doctor would take note of that and be like oh accepting both aspects of it yes Mm -hmm. it's not just yeah because i think one or the other that's how the doctor feels Mm -hmm. too Mm -hmm. she's more of a glass half full and donna was more of a glass half empty possibly but i see that she sees it all 
Mm-hmm. So it's not blinded either way. And I think when you go for the half full or half empty, a lot of times you only see it that one way. The glasses mm-hmm. either. Oh, great. Half full. Everything's wonderful. You know, it's, mm-hmm. she sees both. It's half a glass. It could be both full and empty. It's, she sees the dichotomy of well, it. Both Martha and Donna see the full picture, uh, but they're reacting to it differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all have different filters based on our experiences. I also really like that she says, Mr. Smith will get out of this. You know, Rose will be like relying on the doctor to get her out of this at when she first meets him. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, at the end, she does save the doctor herself. But Martha's attitude is, this is my hospital. This is where I'll I work. This is, yes, I am here to take care of patients in the hospital. Mr. Smith, you're one of the patients. Mm-hmm. So she is in a role of authority and she takes it very seriously. So it's like mm-hmm. she's she reassuring the doctor. She does that a little earlier with getting, get all the patients back to their beds. Yes. You know, get everything back in order. Take charge. It's like right now, we still have power. We still have air. Let's figure out what's going on, but get everybody back in some kind of order. Another thing so that's does have that. really impressing the doctor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's also immediately rejects her other, um, doctor intern she'll you know. hold us up mm-hmm. hold he's us already up. like he he assesses the two of them really fast martha good this other one won't be a help mm-hmm. but back to that balcony scene this is uh when freema men- or martha mentions her cousin adiola who that's a great f- line who we first saw in army of ghosts mm-hmm. so that explains why you see freema adjaman playing two different characters i actually didn't recognize her the first time watching this through, I think it was Eugene who was like, did you recognize her? And I'm like, no, <laughs> should I have? It's great that they mentioned that because people that are watching it, not for the first time, will see that, hey, that's the same person. Is she the same character? And then they explain it away. It's yeah, her no, cousin. Yeah, no, it's good that they explained it. But... I recognized her, but I didn't catch that when I saw mm. her originally. But and they were going to have the same character if they knew she was going to yeah. hire Freema yeah. for this. But then, yeah, Freema was hired as kept, a one-off. They would have kept mm-hmm. her alive in that yes. episode. He but. said, yeah, if he had known that they were going to hire her as the companion, he would have made Addie live in Army of Ghosts. She would not have died. Not have that died, would have yeah. even been more confusing. They would have rewritten no, it. No, but so it wouldn't have ended up being Martha. It would have ended up being, being Addie. Addie. Yes. Oh, okay, now that yes. makes sense. Yeah. And she, her family, you know, probably would have had the same mother, the same brother, but it just would have been Addie mm-hmm. as the companion instead. Uh. Not only does it retcon something, mm-hmm. but it also gives us character because she's thinking outside of the box, being like, it has to be aliens because of this other incident. Yes. Like the, the, the spaceship. She's familiar cr- with it. Yeah, spaceship crashing into Big Ben. Right. The yeah. Daleks, the Cybermen, and then. Yeah. Complete opposite yeah. of Donna. Yes. Complete no opposite clue of Donna. Mm-hmm. This. Yeah. So I like that it serves two purposes. And there is also a precedent for um, a one-off actor being hired to become somebody else. Uh, <laughs> the sixth Doctor, Colin Baker, appeared in a fifth Doctor story in one of the serials. And then the fifth Doctor decided to leave the show at the end of the season, and they hired Colin Baker just to come back. Um, but then it also happens with the fourth Doctor's time lady companion, Ramana. She's one actress. She regenerates after her first season. And she actually regenerates specifically looking like a person they had just interacted with. How does she regenerate? Was she a time? She was a time, time, lady. Oh. time lady. She was Gallifreyan. Called time lady? Yeah. Lords and ladies. Lord lady? All right. I okay, know. Okay, stop being New York. This is the UK. <laughs> uh, and the fourth doctor at the time says, you can't do that. You can't look like somebody else. And she goes, why not? I like it. And so they wind up doing that. So that sets the stage for it to happen later. Yes. Mm-hmm. No, they didn't plan it, but they did retro it to make it work. And also, it's kind of a Who tradition. And I like that it's clever, not just shoehorned in. Yes. I'm also glad that they still considered Freema 
mm-hmm. even, even though, after she was the one-off yeah because she's so good mm-hmm. i'm curious if the the actress who plays her sister if she also auditioned for martha because she she could have she seemed like uh, you could see them in the room together auditioning mm-hmm. you know and waiting together and she, well we'll make one of them whoever doesn't get it we'll make her the sister kindly old miss finnegan followed by her two helmeted drones enter mr stoker's office and ask for his help the drones hold him down while she takes a straw from her purse and begins to drink his blood. The Jadoon begin to systematically catalog the humans in the hospital searching for a non-human. When one person fights back, the Jadoon find him guilty of assault and execute him in the name of justice. The doctor tells Martha that the Jadoon are police for hire and that they have no jurisdiction on earth. That is why they transported the hospital to the moon to conduct their search. The doctor checks the hospital computer for new patients, but the Jadoon have wiped the records. While the doctor tries to restore them, Martha goes to find Mr. Stoker to see if he can help locate the alien. The, the Jadoon, before they took off their helmets, really reminded me of the Centaurans. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. Especially with the the, probe. the translator yeah. port or whatever yeah. on the mm-hmm. front of his uniform was very similar to the... That's probe from, vent? Yes. Yeah. That's the, probably what they were except going Except the reverse. For. Yeah. <laughs> it's on the front. I'm sure that there was probably some crossover in costuming and... That is, that is one of the criticisms. They said that Jadun looked too much like the Centauran. But I kind of like that because you're expecting it. Yeah, I, I would kind of like, think, oh, there's a whole other race. Oh, I know who this is. this is. You know, this is, oh, but they look a little tall and they weren't really showing them very, uh, mm-hmm. very well at first. And then they take the helmet up so, off and it's <laughs> a surprise. So the Centaurian are from? The zoo. Classic. And classic. We, have, we will see them soon. Yeah, because okay. we haven't seen them yet. We yeah, saw well, them on the classic, the classic, oh, the classic episode. episode. Doctor Sarah Jane. Sarah Jane's first episode. Oh. Yeah. You're right. I was here. Were you here for that? No, she was not. That's why. So <laughs> you, will, you will soon be introduced to a race where you go, that looks like the Jadoon. <laughs> or potato heads. Yeah. <laughs> I really like the, the use of the little mundane uh, aspects where um, she's got a straw. It's a bendy straw. I and love it's, that and it's, it's a not even straw. straight. Like it's, it's, it's a <laughs> killed it's like, by bendy straw. <laughs> and, and then the, the, ma- the uh, magic. Every kid's juice box is now yes. a weapon. <laughs> and the magic marker making the squeaky noise. Mm-hmm. It's like, and that always makes me laugh. Where it's like, because they put the magic marker in the, in the, in the device, yeah. right? And it's like, that. Really? That's how high tech production is it's just a magic mark. And they even put the squeak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, they would the shine device. it yeah, and then they would turn around and mark it. I thought that was very efficient yeah. and very practical. And I, I was like, good on them. But the whole time I'm sitting there going, fine, I'm running around finding a Sharpie. And I'm yeah. just going to put a little X and go, you already choked me. <laughs> um, what? But that's part of the whole, this is for more of a juvenile I audience on um, this episode. I don't even see it. I don't even see it as a, as a fault of the episode or, or a, a mistake or anything. I just, it's just one of those, that's, it's so Hoovian, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's why, that's why I like it. And it's just so big so they can hold it in their gloved hands yeah. I think they're yeah. so big it, you know, it reminds me a little bit of Disneyland with a feel for all the characters that you meet <laughs> trying uh-huh. to sign yeah. all the books give them a larger pen to hold on this is the beginning of uh, oh look there's a little shop I love a little shop that will become a little motif of oh, the really? doctor yeah well I don't know if it's well, the beginning it goes to New Earth New Earth Oh, it is, oh, it starts in New Earth. Why yeah. don't they have a yes. little shop? Oh. And this hospital has it's a the, little shop. It's the payoff oh, to that's that. That's funny. But it will continue. Okay, so Stoker is the... Okay, he's the administrator of the hospital, but he's also leading them around on the rounds. And he's diagnosing these patients. I'm wondering why he's called Mr. Stoker the whole time. I don't think he's the administrator. 
I thought he no, was the, just the doctor who gotta, trains the other doctors. Yes. Well, well, they, they don't call him doctor, so he's doctor. some kind of consultant. That's what I'm, yeah. They said consultant, really? I think. It's just that maybe or, it's a British yeah, thing. I they, but that's that, what we want to know as Americans. Yes, as an Somebody American. out there, please help us. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, why don't they refer to him as a doctor since he's training the people to be doctors? He's obviously a doctor. But they all say Mr. They never call Do him doctor. Do they say professor over there? No. Nope. It's always oh, Mr. Mr. Stoker. Right now, there's, if there's any British people listening, they think we are such rubes. <laughs> oh, they've felt that for a long time. But well, we do use our microwave. <laughs> and to watch people. Oh, stop. <laughs> uh, back to Mr. Stoker. I think it's a play on Bram Stoker because uh, he eventually gets done in by a vampire. Nice. I did think the sucking of the blows. He kind of looks like Nosferatu. I didn't think of that. <laughs> and his nameplate is um, Mr. B. B. Stoker. Stoker. Oh, so, oh, they did it intentionally. Yeah. <laughs> he was a downer. He was. He, he was. didn't even seem all that weird. He seemed oddly calm about never seeing his family again. He yeah, seemed more <laughs> contemplative than upset. He was British. Yeah, I guess so. Stiff upper lip. I, I mean, that line where he's like, I'm my daughter. I'm not going to see my daughter again. Mm-hmm. That hits me a lot. I mean, I really feel for him at that mm-hmm. point. But you're right. He does say it in a very odd way. What gets me is it's like he, he says, but I was going to retire to Florida. Mm-hmm. Nah, getting killed by a vampire is a better, better. <laughs> getting killed by a vampire on the moon is a better way to go <laughs> yeah. than in an old folks home in Boca Raton. So, so we've annoyed all our UK listeners and now our Floridians. So. See, I think you're giving the writing on this one too much credit, too much in-depth. Because I, I think they are going for just the young Mm-hmm. One, so they're just yeah. writing some of these lines without really thinking about them. It's like we're getting this episode out. He says he's just saying something. Oh, it's too late to sign for anything. Yeah, and he, that's what he was explaining to them. Like it's too late to sign for something. Meaning like, not time-wise, but we're all dead. Yeah. Yeah. I got more. I got more of time-wise because he's just to me oh, it's such pa- a. Sim- it's past six. Why exactly. would you possibly be delivering something now? You know, he's such a simple character. They don't give him a lot of depth. Yeah. So to me, it was like, no, it's after hours kind of attitude to yeah. this line. No, I, I'm on Frank's side here, especially production value wise and everything after watching The Runaway Bride. This is very not up to that same level of writing, of effects, of like big epicness. Um, so, yeah, I agree with Frank that it, the whole thing is probably best not to try to look too deep into. I wouldn't be surprised if that scene, writing-wise, originally happened before they went to the moon, and it just stuck in the script that way. It's, it's like, it's, this is a fresh, clean start, and then I guess that abruptness is something that I have a hard time accepting, right. going, we're going to a whole new place now, and I'm still bringing in all this other baggage mm-hmm. from Rose and from Donna. It's like, no, let that down. Throw that yeah. out. This is a complete new start. But I think, well, we're going, we're yeah, going I think I understand. Nobody mentioned the blue lights, by the way. Did we? From the Jadoons From the scanner. Jadoons, yeah. Uh, those look, blue those, light. Those look more like ultraviolet lights, not blue this time. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> it's what you <laughs> see at a, at a concert when you get stamped. That's, That's actually exactly it. Thing, yeah, That's exactly it. See? So I wonder, they should have done where the stamp doesn't show up, the X doesn't show up until you show the light on it. Mm. That would cost too much money. But that would... Makes sense outside that, but this scanner is scanning something totally different. And Martha sees Miss Finnegan drinking Mr. Stoker and runs out of his office. <laughs> this is a weird sentence. Sorry, She runs into the doctor and tells him that she found the alien. They begin to run as the drones chase them. 
They barricade themselves in the radiation department as one of the drones begins to beat down the door. The doctor boosts the x-ray machine and aims it at the door as the drone breaks through. Martha activates the machine from behind the protective barrier and the radiation kills the slave drone. This was uh, like another part of watching this after watching Runaway Bride where, you know, we, we have the same kind of setup where they're the pawn villains are coming after our heroes and then the sonic screwdriver with another device yeah Mm -hmm. is able to kill them which i mean it's very different like the it grows as well the context and situations are very different but in like the structure of the story especially just after watching runaway bride because i watched both of these very close together it was like oh this again like we have a device like uh this time it doesn't even make as much sense because at least the sonic screwdriver with the sound system it was amplifying it and this is just magic (laughs) (laughs) but it does destroy the sonic screwdriver which is goodness (laughs) yeah Oh, that's I love sad. Screwdriver. And then I love how he just like, you know, Martha, doctor. And he's like, he throws it away. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. Back to the problem. You know. So. It was also, she finally called him doctor. Yes. So yeah. that's what I think, that's what I think made him snap into attention. Talking a little bit earlier about the difference in tone, the scene of the assault and the execution of the guy doesn't fit in this episode. Which guy, the Stoker? Oh, no, the... The the Swift Justice guy. The Swift Justice guy. So to have a guy who really is an innocent bystander, you know, smash a a A thing that causes no harm, no nothing, and then for us to see him a split second later get, you know, justice executed in a fiery blast doesn't work in this episode, and I wish it wasn't there. Yeah, but you need that threat that these people, Mm -hmm. that these alien can't be trifled with at all. like that. that, that, Because otherwise it's like, oh, once you check your human, you're okay, you're safe, you're not going to die. For the tone of this episode, though, that's what they were going for. In many, many other mm-hmm. episodes, including, you know, any season two, season one, would that would be fine. They do kind of put it in to make the Jadoon a threat. But if you're writing it for a kid, just the physical presence of the Jadoon is enough of is a threat. Enough. See, like, Doctor Who does this to me all the time. Innocent bystander, gone. Killing the one guy's... Uh, Really setting up visually that the Jadoon have their own ethics, their own code, their own morals of what they're doing. And then later on, the doctor says that if the Jadoon find that we're harboring this alien, they will kill everybody in the hospital and they'll feel justified about it. It's probably a very hard thing to write because this show is so, has a wide demographic, Mm -hmm. you know, because they'll write stuff that's heavy and then, you know, but they still got it. So it's, it's probably difficult to stay on track mm-hmm. when you know yeah. you can oh we should have this yeah that'd be really cool and then with, because we're allowed to sort of forgetting that we're trying to establish a tone because there aren't those rules put on it i can see it being you know rewritten many times yeah. and having the social commentary of you know blind justice mm-hmm. being in there would be good yeah for all but you again know, what they be, what they ended up with i can see brian's you know for this episode because yeah. i agree so, that it was more juvenile yeah for all so you know it doesn't it, need to be it, in there it, in, it was it could have originally been written much harsher and darker and they said we gotta light this up because we're coming off the christmas episode it's funny you mentioned that because it was the visual effects Look were much much more uh, graphic and they toned it down oh well, there you go they had to put a pass on it i don't know it's just 
the idea that an alien race has a different form of ethics that the human race does, which then puts on that the doctor has different ethics too than the humanity, and that's what gives him the right to make the decisions that he makes. I love the idea of the Jadoon in general, where it's like, these are just policemen for hire. They have a code of ethics, and they don't break their own code of ethics, which includes swift justice. That's great. It also kind of a little bit is like the unquiet dead. The Gilth want to use dead bodies to walk around in, and Rose thinks that's horrible, and the doctor says, what? It's just different. So the Jadoon, it's just different. To me, it's jarring in this episode to see that. It doesn't serve the purpose, because they don't... It just kind of goes away then. Nobody ever refers to the dead guy again. No, I, right. I completely agree with you. 100%. I go 90%. The other 10% is still showing it to those kids or whatever who are watching going, no, these are really swift, action-taking uh, creatures who yeah. will kill people yeah. for small things. So, But right. I think um, that's also why going in-depth into any small like phrase or sentence in this episode i think it might be interesting academically but reading it too much into things because this isn't trying to be that high level uh cerebral episode that you know we all love um and i think it's stuff like this that you, you know don't read too much into any right any one thing that's happening yeah the purpose of this episode is just to introduce a new companion mm-hmm the Jadoon scan Miss Finnegan, and because she assimilated human blood, she passes as human, and they mark her hand with an X. Squeak, squeak. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a microphone always having feedback. <laughs> the doctor and Martha leave the radiation department and run into a Jadoon, sans his platoon, who scans the doctor. <laughs> They barely escape and make their way to Mr. Stoker's office. The doctor examines the bloodless body and realizes Miss Finnegan is a plasmavore. Before they leave, Martha takes the time to close Mr. Stoker's eyes. The Jadoon burst into the hallway and the doctor tells Martha she must stall them. When she asks how, he kisses her. He kisses her? It's like, why don't I just give the air from his lungs like he did his ninth doctor or lick her face or something? It's like, he's leading her on at this point. This doctor does like to lick things wood. Exactly. <laughs> like the wood paneling and tooth and claw and the... Uh, I can't remember yeah, but licking her face would have been a bit much. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> but I think it would have been funny. It would have brought you into this whole... <laughs> She'd be like, what? And it wouldn't have been in that whole... I feel that this starts the dynamic of the mm-hmm. doctor leading on Martha. Yeah, they're definitely planting the seeds now. Yeah. Boy, are we going to have conversation later. <laughs> <laughs> I love the physical comedy bit of the doctor expelling the radiation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, where he, he's like, you know, they don't have time to rehearse these shows, so I wonder you know was that just tenet on the day just like oh, oh, oh my shoe my shoe my shoe ow 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 it's my foot's asleep my foot's asleep and then tenet goes through the rest of the episode barefoot mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like oh that must have been great to read that in the script where it's like really <laughs> i thought it was interesting martha's asking him well do you have a partner what how do you do this and he immediately just gets defensive as and putting it off but he's really like trying not to mention rose at all yeah, you it's can like, tell he's Everything's going to... on, and this is what you're asking? And it's like, it wasn't a personal question. It was, do we have backup, basically, is what she's asking. Are you traveling with someone else? Mm-hmm. You know, so he's just taking it very defensively on that. But it is a different different emotional response from what we just saw in Runaway, in, Bride. In Runaway Bride. In Runaway Bride, it's a lot more raw right. and, and sad and emotional. And here, it's kind of like he's moved on to the next stage of grief, you know, maybe. Denial. Yeah. 
or just I just need to get past it. I don't want to think about it. He has an avoidance. He hasn't. He hasn't. Like so, denial. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. But it is a different. I like how it is. He has moved on a little bit, but he's still not there. I think it's in this scene where yeah, when they scan the doctor, he grabs Martha's hand and they're go to here we go again. We're running, you know. So is that very much echoing, echoing the whole grab Rose's hand and run to do and shoot at them as they're running. And I was going to write something down, so I paused and I thought it was really great because it's a small little. you would not get but as they're shooting the lasers they distort the wall behind it in the actual you know special effects that they're Mm -hmm. doing so it bends slightly to show as you would through heat you know something's been distorted and And i think it's one of those things where you wouldn't notice it but you would notice something's wrong if it was not there Mm because it goes by so quick you don't get it at all when it's running normally well it's also when the jejun scan the doctor that martha the skeptic finally (laughs) believes him that he is not human Mm-hmm. Yeah, Which, that's great. I was wondering about the two hearts earlier when she was doing the stethoscope. The, when she just listened to his heartbeat and found two yeah. hearts. Yeah, I think she she knew at the time, or that she weird, had a feeling but, at the time. Well, she's still a student, so she's probably right. thinking, "Am I wrong? What am I doing?" And then the guy reprimands her, oh, and then yeah. they just kind of sort of move on. And then then they're on the moon, so that kind yeah, of pushed everything right. else out of there. And it connects by the end of the episode. Like she doesn't. She have remembers. Re- yeah. Figure it out, right? But it's yeah, good to yeah. see her. Because before then, it's like, oh, you're not an alien. She's not remembering that. Because she, she looks human. Hear the and heart. to me, yeah. after being Martha, although the questions that she asked and having her being an intelligent woman, that seemed like something she would have been put together. Especially when he said he was an alien when they're watching the Jejun check everybody and they're talking about the galactic law and who they are. And that's what I wanted something there going to heartbeats. Mm-hmm. You know, just to, as a mm. flashback to that going. Something was weird, and then now that he's saying all this stuff and telling her that he's an alien, she doesn't believe it. It seemed like Martha would be able to piece that together. I like the way it played out. Yeah, I do too. I think in her mind, she, he's still a patient of the hospital that was a patient when all this went down. And because even, right. even at the end of that very scene, she's like, Yeah, Mr. Smith will get you out of this. She's, she's still, still in the authority Mr. role. Smith. She's and still in the authority role. As she says, I'll, I'll go check on Mr. Stoker, see if he knows anything. She gives the doctor this look. And to me, the look was a look of like, I'm not so sure this guy is going to be the one who's going to save us. Especially since he's over there like fiddling with the computer. I think it's the computers that he's working on. He says, oh, I'm trying to use my sonic screwdriver. And she goes, well, if you're not going to tell me. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Martha's picking up things, but it's a lot to pick up. And, you know, she now has final confirmation that this guy's an alien. And for piece. writing and comedic um, yeah, it's reasons. Right. It was a good so, comedic timing. So it was yeah. done well on that. It's just really Much done well. Much better than a flashback. But I did oh, yeah, like when they good. ran together. And he goes, oh, I found the backup. Well, I found the alien. What? Right. <laughs> like, she's already steps ahead of the doctor yeah. with that one. We don't need that information anymore. <laughs> I'm way past it. <laughs> The doctor finds Miss Finnegan in the MRI room, altering the machine. He pretends to be human and babbles about space rhinos until she instructs her drone to hold him. She continues to enhance the machine so it will send out a huge pulse, destroying the brains of every living thing on the moon, along with the part of the Earth that happens to be facing the moon at the time. She will stay safe in this room and then escape in a Jadoon ship. The doctor tells Miss Finnegan that the head rhino said something about intensifying their scans since they did not find the non-human. Needing more human blood to hide again, she begins to drink from the doctor. It's another great example of the doctor using words as his weapon to yeah. extrapolate information. I love get... that he pretends to be yeah. human. It's like a Columbo moment. Like he doesn't even have his sonic <laughs> screwdriver right. at this point, mm-hmm. which isn't even really a weapon. Or his he shoes. Doesn't even... <laughs> it doesn't have shoes. He's... 
it's great exposition, cool. but like flipped on its uh, head is that he's, you know, kind of interrogating her without her knowing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then comes up with an idea to solve everything. Mm-hmm. An idea that's solely based on him being an alien. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it kind of keeps you in the sci-fi world. And- yeah. And great acting by Tenet. By both. Yeah. Yes, definitely by both. Oh, that slag there. I thought he did wonderful. Hey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was the best. <laughs> and then when it flips again, when uh, Mrs. Finnig- or Miss Finnegan realizes that he's putting on a disguise, uh, her line is great, laughing at the darkness. Laughing on purpose at the darkness. Yeah, I love that line. I don't know if you meant it, but I kind of heard you say when she figures out that the doctor's lying. Yeah. That's how I read what you just said. That's what she I mean. doesn't, she doesn't. That's not what I meant. Right. That's okay, so I now I get it. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. It's like, wait, when did she say that? But now I, yes, mm-hmm. she's talking to this human. Yes. Who's laughing in the face of his death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great line. But for the doctor, which is odd, is his playing human was playing dumb. Yeah. You know, that was just sort of, really? After all we've talked about, after all this time of each person is unique and individual and they have something to offer and you're playing dumb? Because he's sort of playing off of her. Her she thinks idea humans are of dumb. humanity. It's also yeah. the fastest way to get information, I yeah. think. He's he's really being the most harmless that he could possibly be, you know. And, I mean, he's just a postman. That's why he has bunions. That's why he doesn't have shoes on. It's brilliant. That was... I thought funny because I don't think he thought it through in the no. way that he acted mm-hmm. it. It yeah. was like, oh, well, I was just supposed to. That's the balloons. That's the reason yeah. why I said that. Yeah. <laughs> that I thought <laughs> oh, was kind of yeah, yeah. It's like, it, oh, I didn't think. It works. It like, goes yeah. to the story. And his acting sells it. Just sells it completely. <laughs> there was one moment. I can't remember what it was in this show. He says something and his Scottish accent totally came out. Yes. Uh, They're named the Jadoon. Because apparently that's a difficult sound for Scottish people. The oon uh-huh. is difficult for Scottish people to say. Uh-huh. So and and so Russell purpose. couldn't resist doing Jadoon Platoon on the moon <laughs> to make tenants say that. So that's why they're named the Jadoon. Yeah, the Scottish accent makes it difficult to pronounce the syllable oon in an English accent. But it, even the way he says it, he's just like a Jadoon platoon on the moon that's how he says the ood too yeah it's so, like when they try and do an american accent with the r's like xander right. <laughs> yeah. yeah well that's why everything <laughs> is gosh it's like a, an o sound like basulium he's always doing o's right. <laughs> that's, oh. that's right and, and he always says it like that too. yeah like later on when he repeats the the translating like algorithm like the jadoon are doing Bro, crow, row, fro. Right. He does that again, like very enunciated. <laughs> yes, he does. Yeah. And uh, Alburn, you had mentioned earlier that you didn't like the fact that the sonic screwdriver had the power to turn the x-ray machine and kill somebody. Well, in this scene, she's taking a normal MRI machine and flipping a couple switches and plugging things in. And suddenly it's powerful enough to kill everything within 280,000 miles. Yeah. <laughs> now that's when it's like, okay, the tone of this episode is for kids. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. kids would love that. Martha blocks the Jadoon's path and tells them she knows the identity of the alien. They scan her and detect traces of non-human. They scan her again and identify her as human with traces of non-human around her face. They continue heading to the MRI room and Martha follows. As they walk in, the slave drones drop the doctor. The Jadoon scan shows him as alien and they declare 
declare him dead. Martha says Miss Finnegan is the alien, but Miss Finnegan shows them the X mark on her hand, saying she has been cleared. Martha realizes that Miss Finnegan drank the doctor's blood, so she grabs a Jadoon scanner. She scans Miss Finnegan, and the Jadoon identify her as the alien criminal they were seeking. She activates the MRI right before they shoot and disintegrate her. With her job done and the MRI priming to explode, the Jadoon decide to leave. I like it that the plasmavore killed Shirley Temple. <laughs> <laughs> Little golden locks with a simpering voice. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Uh, princess or royalty or something? Padravol Regency 9. <laughs> Thanks again, the Russell. Little child princess. Just showing again the Jadoon are not there yeah. to protect and to serve. But not the idea of what we have of police. And they're not the smartest. It was, it's going creatures. up, we're done. We got our, yeah. you know. Our objective has been achieved. Yeah. Right. And they find a dead alien body and to them, that's it. They're done. It's like yeah. there's a certain checklist for us, us to get yeah. paid. We yeah. meet yeah. that checklist. Mission well, accomplished. Well, they found two, but then they're both dead. Yeah, but they when they find two, they scan her more. And right. they realize then that she's the plasmavore. Right. So then they're like, oh, you're the one who killed right. the little girl. So... I missed that. I didn't know that they scanned the doctor and found that he was an alien. I thought they just scanned him and they said he's dead. It's yeah. more implied than stated. Again, the writings. Mm-hmm. Not the strongest episode for yeah. writing. And again, going to the, the Christ metaphor, the doctor does give up his life and sacrifices himself to save humanity in this case. And, there's, and there's drinking of blood. Mm-hmm. There you go. Well, the other thing, too, is she turns an MRI into something that can kill forever, but she's going to be safe in this room. No. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. right. Yeah. What's keeping her safe? I don't know. Well, the lead line walls. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> There's plenty of lead line walls and yeah. so. everybody on earth is like, why is everybody dead? <laughs> <laughs> and she activates the machine by plugging in the red wire. So she has the two wires and she goes, okay, now I'm going for it. And she just takes the two big plugs, clicks them together, and it starts up. Sorry, I just no. had the vision of, you know, why is everybody at the Burgess Meredith going, time enough at last. <laughs> there was time. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's the penguin. Yes, I got you. <laughs> Penguins can't read. Where is this going? Martha performs CPR on the doctor's two hearts and nearly passes out from the lack of air remaining in the hospital. The revived doctor forces himself over to the control area, and since his sonic is broken, he takes a page out of Mickey's playbook and unplugs the machine. He then carries an unconscious Martha to the window and watches the Jadoon ships leave. He is begging the Jadoon to send them back to Earth. At the last moment, it begins to rain, and the hospital is transported back to Earth. EMTs help those in the hospital, and Martha sees the doctor leave. Why carry Martha? Because it's really dramatic. For it's the look. For the it's, iconic no image. For the iconic yep, image. That's it. That's what I don't like about it. There's no reason. There is no for reason it. for him to it do it. It all is just a visual look that they're trying yep. to go for. But he so needed to no get to the window. He needed to get to the window. Would you just want him to leave Martha? But he didn't even yeah. need to get to the window. <laughs> could have got to it, a different yeah. window. So he could watch the Jadoon leave and then see if they were. There's, nothing, there's no reason. He's like, oh, please, 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 please. He's doing He Madonna. could be doing that in the MRI room. Going, but then he Come wouldn't, on, send he us wouldn't back. see send- the rain. Well, we wouldn't we wouldn't see him seeing the rain. I mean, it's all yeah. for dramatic purposes, and to me, it works just fine. I like the image of him carrying her out. I put her on him. a bed. A put gurney. Something a gurney. A gurney. So <laughs> but it's like, she doesn't need to carry her to the window. It is a look, and it's a dramatic look. It's just, there's no real reason for it other than the filmmaking process of the dramatic look. If we're going with Eugene's 
the doctor is a Christ character sacrificing himself. And then um, then in the, the end where he's carrying her, that is also a religious symbol, like the Pieta. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's mm-hmm. her yes. arm is hanging down yes. exactly like the Piet- Michelangelo's Pieta. So it's he's not the... He's Mary. He, like, <laughs> he's not the one who sacrificed himself. She is. Well, she did in that case. So, yeah. And yeah, that's she gave why everything she could doing to those get religious going. symbols. So okay. going to yeah, that. She gave him yeah. his la- her last breath. I also had yes. the same notes. Yeah. So then my other thing was, not to do anything with religion, was if the doctor's heart stopped, why didn't he regenerate? That's just a logical idea. They for mentioned me that, that in the commentary that uh, regeneration is a choice. So in that moment, the doctor chose not to regenerate because he didn't want to give it away. Yeah, and this was in uh, Russell and David Tennant are on the commentary for this episode. Oh, I got to listen to that. I never so he didn't want to give one. what away. Let her know that she he's not human, and that what sucking his blood won't save her. She would have then hid oh. more. Mm-hmm. I always thought it was, I'm not quite dead yet. Yeah, that's how I look at it. Because if he's not dead yet, then, I mean, if he were really, really dead, like regeneration-y dead, then CPR wouldn't do anything. Okay, well, how long do you think he was out? Not Which long. He, because it takes two minutes to have permanent brain damage. If you have one heart. For humans. <laughs> for humans. <laughs> for humans. Go, friends. <laughs> but so it was, I felt like it was just way too long that he I was agree with just you. passed out. No. But, but then, I'm fine with it. With the rest of this episode, that's very low on my uh, totem pole. She, yeah, she wasn't finished when He's they time came in and they dropped them. That's true. But she wasn't dead. finished. It, was it could be they scanned the one heart and didn't realize the second. Uh, only one of his hearts. <laughs> yeah. But she listened and it's like, oh, two hearts. And she had to do mm-hmm. CPR on both. Well, she remembered the two hearts. Yeah. So maybe she did, wasn't needed, but at least it was smart of her. To remember that he has two hearts, so she went to both sides. So I like I think that. It was needed. And that's more of Martha. And that's how I see it. I see it more as elevating Martha as a character. Yeah. That she's smart enough to realize the two hearts. Yeah. And he's just not dead yet. Again, he's I don't think the writing dead. on this was he's as thought out as some dead. of it. He's slightly alive. Mostly dead. Yeah. There's page and the time and then I mean, there's screen time. The Jadoon the, the <laughs> the, the are pretty, you know, thick-headed, so... That's what brought him back. True love. I thought it was too blame. <laughs> and I do like that you mentioned the Pieta, but to me it's not the Pieta. It's Superman holding the dead body of Supergirl Super. on the Crisis on Infinite Earths number eight. Which is, Which is from based on the Pieta. Pieta. <laughs> I know, I'm not stupid, but that's what I think of. So God it's just is so a well woman. done. But that's a great piece of art. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. If you haven't seen it, look it up. It's very beautiful. Get some culture in you. There's a lot of... That, was in, our, that was in our church. <laughs> we had a Pieta in, mm. in St. James. There's a lot of like distortions to that uh, because technically she wouldn't be big enough to hold him in her lap, so she's a lot bigger in different places than, than a normal Heretic. woman would be. <laughs> Later that night, at her brother's disastrous birthday party, Martha sees the doctor again. Since she saved his life, he thought he would repay her with one trip in the TARDIS. He says it is a time machine, but she doesn't believe him. He leaves in the TARDIS and goes back to the morning when he takes off his tie in front of her earlier self. She believes him and agrees to go on one quick trip in the TARDIS. So hear it again, Martha needs proof. Martha the skeptic. I'm going to start calling her that. <laughs> She won't. After everything they've gone through, two hearts, him being an alien. On the moon. Another Time travel, too reference. much. Time travel, too much. No, I need proof for everything that we're doing. I think she's just using that as an excuse. It seemed like she was much more excited 
and was just sort of feigning excitement by being skeptical. Sorry, don't get me wrong. I like that. <laughs> I like Martha being skeptical and not believing everything she's hearing. And when he does come back and his tie is off, you know, triggers her memory right away and then she gets it. You know, that mm. puts she puts the two to two together. So I like that about Martha. I also like but how she, she says will not accept anything at the face value. She needs the proof of it. I also like how she says, Well, why didn't you just tell me not to go to work? And he's right. like, I can't cross over in people's timelines mm. unless it's cheap tricks. For a cheap trick. <laughs> That's I like that line. It's like the prime directive, except for cheap tricks. Yeah. <laughs> it's until it's in the script. But we it's also, also true because no, everything true, would have yeah. been messed yeah. up. That's we right. know what would happen if Martha was not there. Yeah. Yeah, because he, he said that he was there to just look at something instead of to stop the plasma vore, because he didn't know if she was there. Yeah, yeah. if, if Martha and, wasn't in the hospital... He would have died. Oh, yeah, he would have. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, as we found out, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's a skeptic because she's the scientist, you know, mm-hmm. as a physician. She's she scully. To... Yep, the logic yeah. mind. But yeah. I also, I don't, maybe it's just me, I think skeptic is too hard a word. Mm-hmm. It's not skeptical just to want evidence of something it's not so much skepticism just no that's her manner i like yeah which i like about martha and it's she doesn't continue doubting when she gets the proof right she's on board each and every time exactly going oh okay this yeah. is it this is it now where i'm at she's agnostic doubt. so it is somewhat <laughs> it's like we want another no, it's synonym for it. i think it's le- i think it's a, it's a it's a lever uh searching attitude Right. Yeah, scientific. Mm-hmm. She has a right. scientific method, right. and she's so like, for me just to hear the word skeptic to me was just a little in my own personal thing. It's almost a little like, too hard. oh, really? Well, I want to see. Yes. Mm-hmm. No, but I would say she's just you know she has a scientific method. She's following right. it. She yeah. has a question. She wants it answered, and it's either proof or it's you know it's fact or it's Ooh. just a theory. Mm-hmm. We also did um, miss that point. Well, we didn't talk about how when the the MTs were helping everybody and people were being interviewed, the doctor or the intern Oliver, Oliver and Morgan Stern. Yeah, where he just was like taking credit and you know, oh, up. I said no and I said no and by the way, Mr. Saxon is right. We are not alone in the universe. And it's like, well, we don't need Mr. Saxon to tell us. We saw it with our own eyes, but whatever. They threw it in there. They threw it in Mr. Saxon. Who is Mr. Saxon? Who who indeed? He could command the army. It's the big mystery for season three. So that's all we know. It's kind of like Torchwood for season two. But we first, we remember though, we saw the newspaper headline in Love and Monsters that says Saxon is rising in the polls. And then. Oh, is that when we first saw it? First Mm -hmm. one. Right. And then, then Runaway Bride. Uh, orders for Mr. Saxon to fire, so from they the fire. tank. And now Mr. Saxon says we're not alone in the universe. And, and the poster, Saxon. yeah. So it's just the Bad Wolf in season one, Torchwood in season two. This is starting season three, so we don't want to spoil it. And it was in Torchwood season yeah, one. I'm... We were also discussing earlier with Runaway Bride about people's reaction to the interior of the TARDIS. I like Martha's. I like the way they did Martha's, where we don't see her saying it's bigger on the inside. Mm-hmm. She's off screen. But we see the doctor mouthing along with her, it's bigger on the inside. <laughs> Is it? Really? <laughs> I'd like that. And the continuity between the two locations from the exterior to the interior set... It's amazing. It's seamless. That's right. It's amazing. Because I already buy the TARDIS, no problem. Yeah, right. It's like, wow, but that was two different locations. But production-wise, they had to do two locations. I don't get it. The sets are in two different locations. So the she set walks where she's in. walking into the TARDIS oh, and the actual from, from inside the TARDIS. Yes. Oh, They're two well, different days. Seamless. 
So Anne Reed, she's the one that played um, the Plasmavore, Miss Finnegan. She appeared in a classic Who uh, serial. Oh, she was maybe a, that's what I recognized her from. I don't think you did. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> she was Nurse Crane in The Curse of Fenric in 1989 with Sylvester McCoy. Mm. And so she played a similar character, a Hemivorous. <laughs> and now she plays the Plasmavore. Both are like a variation on a vampire. Mm. So I think that's cool that they brought oh, her back. She's typecast. <laughs> uh, the doctor makes uh, real world references other than the uh, Benjamin Franklin reference he does in the beginning he says that once he had a laser spanner which was stolen by Emily Pankhurst he's referring to Emily Pankhurst who is founder of the 20th century British suffragette movement oh I know I've heard of her yeah what does yeah. she need a laser span- spanner for we don't know the spanner is a wrench what did he say about her she was a cheeky woman cheeky woman yeah boy they they did. They did terrible was. things to her. Real quick, I I don't know how to pronounce the actress playing Tish, Martha's sister, but she's a, a great actress. We've she, seen her. We have seen yeah. her more in other Doctor Who's. No. Oh. We've seen her in Black Mirror. She mm. plays Plumette in the new Beauty and the Beast, which is out now. Oh. And also, she's upcoming for Wrinkle in Time. So you'll see her <gasps> some more. I'm, she's in Beauty I, and the Beast. Plumette, the, the TV voice, show. The voice. No. No. Beauty, oh. Beauty and the Beast, the live action one that just came out. The dressed the, the wow, feather Wow, I did duster. not recognize her at all from mm-hmm. all that promotional material. Mm-hmm. But the Wrinkle in Time, I've seen pictures going, mm. she looks really familiar. Yeah. But so that's, that's who it is. it is. Good for her. Yeah. But I don't know how to pronounce her name either. I, I'm not even going to attempt it. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> You're a great actress. Who is this episode good for? Meaning, this episode is good for who? <laughs> a new viewer, a casual viewer, a fan of the show, or a diehard? I didn't like this episode all that much. I'm going to go for... Um, you have to be a fan for this one. I don't think it's a good way to... Oh, I don't know. Martha was a good introduction, but I think she has a lot better episodes. It, unless you're 14 or under, <laughs> then I can recommend it for you and even introduce <laughs> it to you if you're a kid, because I think you'll like it a little lot. Mm-hmm. But if you're introducing it to an adult, it's definitely not a one, because I don't want new people to mm-hmm. this introduction. So I'll stay with three. Fan? Right. I really enjoy this episode. I agree with Russell that it's a fresh start, that um, we don't really, other than one mention of Rose, we don't really have any other ties to the rest of the preceding episodes or seasons. Um, I really like this episode. I like the doctor in this episode. I think everyone would like this episode. Uh, I'm going to agree with Frank and go with three, just because it... It is not the strongest episode. I think we are going to get some stronger Martha episodes coming up. Production values, it's also not the strongest. And I would hate to introduce somebody to Doctor Who with the magic marker squeaking on people's (laughs) hands. And not the worst episode. Like, I don't think people should shy away from it. But, yeah, it's it's hard for me to to recommend it to a new Who viewer. I, I say two. I, I'm, I'm, I want to say one, but I think there's too many things that if someone's even a least bit skeptical, they may be like, nah, like even even the family stuff and, and the, uh, Martha's father's girlfriend, like there's just a couple too many things that may turn someone off TV wise, not Doctor Who wise. I think all the Doctor Who stuff is a one. I think all of the introductions to the companions are good for a new viewer. Um, but this one, I think... It's a little too uneven because of the tone and things like that. So I'm going to say casual. So I don't hate this episode, but I also don't love this episode. And I wish there was like a 
a category in the middle where it's like you can go either way. It's kind of like, <laughs> meh. We've already had a category <laughs> five for you. So. It's like the meh two point episode. <laughs> two point five or the, the meh. The meh. meh <laughs> the meh category or um rather. I would not say a saying. meh is three. So yeah, I would have to say three. Because it's like it doesn't give me anything that I'm excited about. Like in previous episodes, I would have an adverse reaction or a joyous reaction. But this one is just kind of like, eh, I don't care. Then yes, I would. Um, I think it. You know, it is a fresh start for this series. So you know, you're being introduced to the Doctor. You're being introduced to the TARDIS. You're being, you know, through Martha's eyes. You're being introduced to Martha. She's a good, strong companion. I like the Jadoon. I think they're really fun. Um, it's a good little story, and it does kind of set up for a good season to come. This is good for everyone, including a Nicole. Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> One quick thing. Uh, Nicholas Briggs does a voice of the Jadoon captain, so I like that he's brought back. He does all those voices. Oh, I didn't know that. What other ones does he do? The Dalek and the Cybermen. Yep. Uh, for me, I like this episode. I would classify it for a New Who viewer. Uh, I think it reboots, not necessarily reboots, but it does introduce you again and a new viewer to things that are, you know, very Doctor Who-y. You know, it sets the, the tone is fine with me because it shows the, the gamut of what Doctor Who can be from a comedy, drama, and just everything that's there. And, you know, we get introduced to a great companion. I think Martha is a strong companion. She's she's smart, she's capable, and I think she's pretty, too. So I think we get that. Oh, and we get the bl- first time for the blue suit. So that's why this episode is a, who, is a new who category for me. Uh, those are our thoughts. What do you think about this episode? Did you like it? Do you like that it's a new start for the series? Uh, what did you think about the tone? Do you think that the uh, swift execution of the bystander fit the tone of the episode? Or do you think it just kind of stood out and uh, would have been best on the cutting room floor? Let us know. Email us at whonewpodcast at gmail.com. So that wraps up Smith and Jones. Join us next time when the future becomes the present. You've just listened to an episode of Who Knew? Our wonderful theme music is by Michael Grady. Find him on Facebook at The Universe Explodes. All our episodes are engineered by our very own Auburn. Find me at auburnbinkley.com. You can find this show in several places. Follow us on Twitter at Who Knew Podcasts. Subscribe, review, and listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Or our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash whonewpodcast. All our episodes are on whonewpodcast.com. You can leave comments there or email us at whonewpodcast at gmail.com. This podcast is inspired by Doctor Who, the longest-running sci-fi show in history, and especially the revival spearheaded by Russell T. Davis. Thanks to Russell, Sidney Newman, Verity Lambert, Ron Grainer, and all those involved in the adventures of our favorite Time Lord. Your work continues to inspire and entertain. Category. Who is I understand what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> well, you can't put him at the end anyway. No, hold on, you have to be first. Okay. No.